Welcome to the Soul Traveler Podcast, an exploration of conscious living with your host, Jennifer Mitchell of The Soul Experience. Join Jennifer as she explores the quantum realms of the subconscious mind and all aspects of spirituality. Driven by curiosity and a thirst for knowledge, topics will stretch the boundaries of your imagination and revive your mind, body, and soul. Hello, my soul traveler friends. It's your host, Jennifer. Today I'm speaking with the incredible Shanna Vavra. She is an intuitive, a Reiki master teacher, spiritual journey mentor, and the host of the very well-known podcast, Sense of Soul. Shanna joins us today to talk about her path to enlightenment, being a Reiki master, the significance of synchronicities, and her mission of uncovering Pistis Sophia's hidden knowledge I can really chat for hours with Shanna and definitely plan to have her back on the show. So make sure that you follow so that you never miss an episode. Wherever you're at today, get ready to come and explore with us on this incredible journey. Here we go. Hey, Shanna, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I've really been looking forward to our conversation today, and I'm so honored to have you here on The Soul Traveler. Yes, I'm super excited about this show, and I can't wait to share it with my listeners, too. Oh, thank you so much for that. For our listeners, Shanna is the host of the popular podcast, Sense of Soul, and that's actually how we met. I was a guest on your show and just felt such a connection ever since being on your show and then doing a session with you. We've become good friends. I agree. I enjoy talking to you so much. We did a lot of your ancestry too. I got to know you on that level as well. Yes. And I'd love if you could start off by telling listeners a little bit about your backstory. It's always a good place to start and What prompted your spiritual journey, awakening? Yeah, there's, of course, there's so many things that kind of was pointing me in that direction. But I guess I could just start off by saying, originally, I grew up Catholic. And actually, that kind of morphed into more of a non-denominational Christianity. And I even taught Sunday school. And my kids, they were going to be Christian before they were even born. So this is like something that was deeply rooted in me and my family and was going to continue that in the future lineages, which now looking back, I'm like, gosh, are we really to even be choosing what our children are believing in before they're even born? It sounds just so wrong. However, some of the women in my family, I grew up in Louisiana. I didn't grow up in Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. I was born there, and I lived there until the second grade. But I went back every single summer. Thank God my mom was homesick mm-hmm. all the time because we're like one of the only people that left that out of seven. My mom was one out of seven. We moved all the way to Colorado, which was like culture shock. But some of my most beautiful memories, right, are at my mama's house, and she taught me how to do the rosary, and I just looked up to her. She was like a saint, literally like a saint. All she represented was Christ-like energy. She was so faithful to her religion. They would go, they 
In fact, some people in my family still, they go to church like every day. <laughs> and my papa always wore his cross and they would say prayers before they ate dinner, just like really took in the traditions. And I think it was very genetic too. I have to say that when I learned about my ancestry in Louisiana, going all the way back to the 1600s, I had learned that one of the men from Germany, actually, people think it was just the French, but they also had Germans and Swiss that came over mm -hmm. in those first five boats. And one of them, he, in the paperwork, I read that he actually was a witness to those who would get on the boat. If you were not already baptized Catholic, you were going to get baptized right there. Wow. Yes. So I'm talking <laughs> like deeply rooted. And then they it would take two months to cross the Atlantic from France to the port of New Orleans in the Gulf of the Mississippi. And soon after they, they started to accumulate slavery and add that into their building, which is horrible. And I had a lot of people who were enslaved in my tree as well as who were owners. That was very difficult, but that was another law was mm -hmm. that if you were a slave, you were to adopt the Catholic religion and you got Sundays off but you had to be baptized. So only if you were baptized, you got Sunday off? Oh, but that wasn't a law. It was a mm. law. You had to be baptized. And so, yes, mm -hmm. you got Sundays oh. off. <laughs> a lot of them also kept to their traditions. These people did not know Christianity. And surprisingly, in all of the trees that I've worked with other people, a lot of them are Muslim. Yeah. And some wow, of them, of course, are you. Yeah, I know. I don't think people know that. But of course, a lot of them that were in my family tree anyways had come from saint domine which is now haiti and once was owned by france france and they brought over voodoo traditions which i even have the great infamous marie laveau in my tree as an aunt and learned about her amazing divine feminine story mm -hmm. that she has but then there also was the other side of my family that had come from canada Mm -hmm. And I had a great shaman in that line. He was known as the tent shaker, the medicine man of his tribe, but later on went to be known as the apostate because he was converted to Christianity through the Jesuits in the 1600s. Mm -hmm. But that lineage, the Cajuns, that's where you get good Cajun food. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they actually as well. So it was like they were, of course, not enslaved, but they were promised this land and a place to live. As long as they took their children down the street to the archbishop and get themselves baptized real quick. So it was like that for a long time. And people don't realize that France owned Louisiana, which was 16 states, a part of 16 states, even places here in Colorado, for almost 200 years. Wow. Fascinating. I guess not almost 200 years. It was <laughs> over 100 years. And that was lost. So very much when you think about how the 13 colonies were created based on the freedom of religion, right? That's really where that freedom part comes from because not everybody was free, but they did have freedom of religion, which in Louisiana and all those states were pretty much, it was a law to be Catholic because majority was a mixed race. So when I discovered all this, I understood like why it was I was so very deeply rooted 
to Christianity, to many of the stories that the Catholic tell, because, you know, they had to have their own rules and stories, the Vatican, the Pope. And I really wanted, I've always been that person along this journey where I'm a seeker. Like, I want to know the truth. And when I find the truth, I feel like it needs to be told. Like, I feel like we've been in the dark long enough. And so I do know the French Creole women in my lineage, they had to have prayed for someone like me <laughs> to be the voice and tell their stories. So I truly found myself asking a question that really was the pivotal point in my journey. I said, how much have, have I act, how much of what I believe in have I been told to believe in? And of mm -hmm. that, how much have I actually experienced for myself to believe? And that screwed me for so long. And I'll even say it again, because it so just got me. It was how much of what you believe in have you been told to believe in? And of that, how much have you experienced to be your truth? Mm -hmm. Shannon, we could really go down the rabbit hole on that one, because that's not only applicable to upbringing and religion, but it is very much applicable to current and modern day society. Yes, uh, how the women yeah. is, like, you're supposed to live in this nice little perfect condition box. Mm -hmm. That's part of it, too. Is That's what I believed. So, Shanna, what would you say was the catalyst for you to start seeking this knowledge? Did something happen? What was it that triggered you? I was very empathic my whole entire life. And that looked like you're a crybaby, a ninny baby. I used to get made fun of all the time for my very sensitive heart when it came to movies, commercials. I'm one of those. And yeah, it was... I think maybe a little bit over a decade ago, I became a massage therapist and rubbing people's muscles all the time. <laughs> they never really healed. They would be tight the next time too. And I did also learn other energy modalities like cranial sacral therapy, acupressure, shiatsu. And those seem to have brought a little bit more of healing because they were able to experience the energy of their pain, their muscles, the tension, the stress. Instead of me just rubbing their muscles, they were participating in that. And that was huge because it bring awareness to their body. Are you okay? <laughs> okay. So what's interesting, are you, <laughs> go ahead. I had it on mute, so I don't think anyone heard me coughing. But. Oh, no, I didn't, but I, was, but I could see you struggling. I'm an empath. This is the whole thing right now. <laughs> Jennifer, what's interesting is I started to take home their physical pain. Yeah. Like, literally, if they had, like, a right foot that was hurting, later on, I'd go home, and my right foot would be hurting. If I had a headache, I'd take on the headache. And mm -hmm. it dawned on me, if I'm taking on their physical pain, how much of people's emotions am I taking? And around that same time, I, oh, it was a difficult time. I had four kids, three different schools, and a newborn and a puppy. Eee. Oh, my goodness. I know. That just stressed me out. Oh, no. <laughs> Say that. I, three different stressed. schools. Oh, my God. I would be driving, like, all day. And, of course, my kids were all in sports. It was a crazy time. So I would go to therapy on the weekend. 
<laughs> yes, I, I don't blame you. <laughs> be there too. I remember my therapist would say, so what did you do for yourself this week, Shanna? And I was like, I'm here. <laughs> this is my thing. But she suggested that I go take a mindfulness course. And I'm like, lady, you just diagnosed me with ADHD. I have a mind full. I have no problem with being mindful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but actually that was the moment, I think, because in that class, I don't know if everyone was doing it, but I was doing it. I was listening to my voice because I was trying to be mindful and do all these exercises and things he was telling us to do. And all I could hear was, you should be at home with your kids. You could be doing something else. Don't you have laundry to be doing? How selfish of you. And I just thought to myself, my God, I wouldn't tell this lady next to me that. And I hope she's not saying that. Mm. And it just was this huge awakening to this other voice or to this voice. Actually, I wouldn't even say other voice. It was the voice that I was t actually listening to throughout my day, that ego. But it was the first time I had listened. And so what was, who was listening? That's, that mm -hmm. was the question. Yeah. But I realized that there was two aspects of Shanna and which one was driving, you mm -hmm. know, which one, which the one that was listening didn't agree. Yeah. And so that became a huge moment. I like to call that place Mr. Ninja. <laughs> we, all have, we all have Mr. Ninja. And oftentimes he's sneaky. He sneaks in and he likes to be like, you can't do that. Or you're yeah. going to suck. Or that's not even possible. Or all the things that he was telling you, trying to make you feel guilty. And maybe it's the same as the ego. But yeah, we all have that voice in our head. And the more that we listen to it, the louder it gets and the more control. But that moment that you talk about, Shanna, that defining moment when you actually stop and you're not subconsciously listening to it anymore without realizing, but you become aware of those thoughts, that's when everything shifts. That's what it did for me. And I would say that I call the opposite of the ninja, my drunk best friend, that I have to <laughs> keep check and call it whatever you want to. But I started to listen more and then I started to shoot it down and yes. I did pretty good quieting that ego it's still there and actually mm -hmm. I'd say over the years I've even made peace with it because I still need it and but yet I choose when I hear a voice I choose to listen to my soul always hence probably sense of soul <laughs> yes that yes. is truly why the name of the podcast is mm -hmm. sense of soul yes because mm -hmm. it was the first time I realized I was more than a meat suit. Yeah. And so after this mindfulness class and you started to become aware of these things and you were doing massage therapy, picking up on energy as an empath, which I can only imagine what you were going through. You probably must have been so tense, emotional too, because it's not, you pick up mm. the emotions, you pick up the body aches and pains is that around the time, because I know you're a Reiki master. So when did Reiki come into your life and how did that change your life? Yeah, like literally I would say that most of the things that have happened along my journey have been just put there for me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like synchronicity. And so as I was discovering my sense of soul, I literally started to lean into those signs and synchronicities. 
And then of course you're more aware and then all of a sudden they're all over and you're just like, wow, this is amazing. Like I was being led by the divine and trusting for the first time in myself. And that was an experience. I was my experience, right? That I could actually speak on. And so really that's truly why a sense of soul came about because it was finally, I had my own experiences and I felt like if I could do it, anyone could. But I did have some synchronicity, of course, around the Reiki as well. I was truly understanding through meditation and through mindfulness that I was energy. And of course, like I said, I was a body worker. I'd already seen really good results with some of the other energy modalities that I had under my belt. So one day, you know how your phone's listening to you all day. So I'm reading your mind. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It is doing that. It's really, that's been happening. That's been happening to me lately. And I literally thought I was losing my mind until you just said that because I've been noticing, I will think of something. I don't say it. I don't search it. I don't Google it. And then all of a sudden it pops up on my phone and I'm like, what is going on? Do you want to know what's going on? I do want to know what's going on. What is your theory on happening? No, I'm serious. This is like not even a joke. Like AI has gotten Mm. so intelligent that it's actually, it knows your next move. The algorithm of you, Jennifer, of me, knew I was going to search for Reiki. It knew it was coming next. Unfortunately, that is scary. That is the truth. There's actually documentaries about just what I just told you that I've listened to and it's shocking. It's shocking. So who's running the world? Mm -hmm. But I'm certainly glad. Yeah, I'm glad that it popped up Reiki for me because that really did help me understand that I was an energetic body. It opened me up even more to being more present with myself and understanding I was multidimensional mm-hmm. and there were so many possibilities and probabilities from there. However, it's crazy because with Reiki in my practice, I started to see like forever healing with some of these people because a lot of what they were experiencing pain wise was just unprocessed emotions. I mean, it was super cool. And then I lead Reiki with my clients, just, I'm not here to heal you. I can't heal you, but I'm going to help you reclaim your power in doing Mm -hmm. that for yourself, which I think we all can. Of course, I'm not saying don't go to the doctor, your arm's severed. That's where you want to go. (laughs) They will help you in that way. But I actually got off all of my meds eventually because I was on quite a bit of them because I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, ADHD, anxiety and started to trust in my own healing ability. Our body is so capable of miraculous self-healing. And I think that as a society, we're really starting to become more aware of this concept. Shan, I have a question for you. So when you talk about Reiki and as a Reiki master, I know there's so many different styles and types of Reiki. How do you teach? Do you practice a blend of different Reiki styles? Do you typically stick with Hosui Reiki? Talk to me a little bit about that. So actually now I am a teacher. I've taught Mm -hmm. hundreds of people. So I would say that at the beginning of my Reiki journey and even becoming a master, I had put myself back into another box. I'd put myself into the Reiki box. But (laughs) this is how you have to do it. Originally it was Yusui Reiki. Mm -hmm. And I still do teach the foundations of Yusui Reiki. 
practice traditions. Yeah. However, I've learned so many other things that I know work right through experience. So I've mm -hmm. taken shaman classes and I did that just to try to meet with my ancestor, the apostate and learned about just the amazing benefits of frequency and the drumming and the repetition as well as you know the shaker oh my gosh the shaker can open up a chakra you ever want to open up your chakras just take the shaker and go over all of your chakras it's amazing i learned about tapping i've learned and taken so many classes on different things and i also added which i think has been probably the most fun for me when it comes to exploring and experiencing my own practice which i always encourage my students to make it their own was that meditation and getting them down to that theta brainwave, kind of like you do in your practice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, but here's the, so what I would do, and I didn't even consciously plan this, but I would start maybe with a body scan and then all of a sudden I'd be seeing things and I just would be going with it. I started to trust myself and I was bringing them into a sacred healing space. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> I never had anything planned, so I never knew. And everyone's always different. But then over like hundreds of clients, I realized I was bringing, say like Jennifer, back to her same sacred space every time I saw her. Even if I only saw her like three times a year, that space was only hers. And then I noticed I was doing it with other people and they noticed it too. And I was like, whoa, that only happens with you. So then I was like, this is so amazing. We're so unique. We're so mm -hmm. unique that we even have our own sacred healing space that's unique to us. <laughs> that is really cool. And so do you see the sacred healing place with each of your clients? Like, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I would see it and mm -hmm. I would just be sharing with them in a meditation, guiding them down the path to the tree or yes. by the waterfall or into the river or into a hut, wherever they were going. And so sometimes they could actually visualize it with me. Oftentimes they did, but for the people who couldn't, I started to do digital art for them so that they could see what I could see. Wow. And so that kind of evolved into a different kind of practice, but yet they're still getting the Reiki and all that. And that actually leads me to my next point is that as practitioners, the more that we start to work with this flow of energy and especially as empaths, I think that we start to develop clairvoyancy. And I recently just came just stumbled across that. And actually your session with me was a little bit of the catalyst for that because I saw that several of the scenes in your session when we did the quantum healing. And then after, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but after we were talking about it, I was like, didn't you tell me that in the session? And you were like, no, I didn't. <laughs> And I had to go back and scan through your recording and you never, you didn't say that. And then I realized that I actually was seeing like what you were seeing. Isn't that bananas? But that's, yeah, that kind of happens with me too. Another thing I was thinking about how after the session, you were going to post my session on YouTube mm -hmm. you were giving, you were like, what do you think about this picture to represent the dream? Remember that? Or to re represent what I had shared with you under mm -hmm. the QHT or which, whichever one it was. And I sent you what I saw. I did the digital art and you were like, oh my God. 
Yeah, it, I, it's exactly what I envisioned. And I'm thinking, like, have I been there? Or was I there with you? And so it's really interesting. And I have several other practitioner friends in our network of quantum healers, and they've recently started to develop this gift as well. And so we're yeah. also connected. We're so connected. And I think that I like what you said, and actually it reminded me of something about if you are very empathic, which we all are, so it's mm -hmm. just reaching that vibrational level that you get there, but it also can be very unhealthy, like an unhealthy empath I was for years, and that looked very much like codependency, because I could feel these things on these people and I wanted to make it better, and so that's like the unhealthy empath that I was. Then I got to the place where I knew how to protect myself so well that it almost was like I was too protected and couldn't connect. So you have to find that like nice balance in between knowing when you are gonna let this in so that you can experience, so this could be like for the greater good of your client and then know when to block it and leave it. And I can really relate to that as an empath myself. I wasn't even consciously aware of it. And before I started doing this type of work that I do now I was working in these very high stress jobs and I had a large team when I was working in a call center and lots of energies in a call center. It was for a major airline. So we'd have several hundred employees that would walk in sometimes, especially if it was hurricane season, I'd walk into a six hour wait, 3000 calls on hold and I could just feel the stress. And I'm, I was the manager. My agents would come up to me just like, I didn't even realize that they were doing this and it's just like coming to fill up. They would pull up to Jennifer's gas station and fill up and they would dump all their problems on me or cry or pull me aside. And I started to realize I'm the only one that this is happening to. They looked around at the other managers and directors. The agents are only coming to me. And there's a lot of them. I spent most of my day in the conference rooms listening to them cry about stuff that wasn't even work related. And that's when I went for a Reiki session. And she asked me, She's like, are you an empath? And I didn't really know much about it. And when she started talking, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I realized it clicked that I was giving out all my energy. So we talked about that unhealthy empath. And then to your point, she was telling me how to zip up. And then I zipped up so much that I couldn't relate. I was like, yeah, I'm shield of this book. <laughs> and it's about finding that balance. And it took quite a while to find that balance where I can still connect with others. I still see you. I hear you. And I want to help you, but I'm not going to take that on. I'm not going to feel that in my body. Yeah, I remember having clients where I was literally trying to catch my tears. So I was so connected to their energy and I could feel the sadness or whatever. That's just one emotion. What happens when it's anger and you go home and take it unconsciously? So it's, I think it's very important to be so aware of your energy. And that's why I think everyone should learn Reiki it shouldn't call it whatever you want it, but everyone should understand mm -hmm. and learn about their energetic body, you know, how it works, how, you know, we're all so very connected, how to protect it and how to let that energy in sometimes also so that you can connect with somebody on an empathetic level because I definitely got pretty good. And I honestly, if you think about it, if you don't have good boundaries in life, then you might not have good energetic boundaries either. So it starts there, which also is like a win-win. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to shift gears a little bit. And I do want to talk about your journey with Pista Sophia. You did do the mini series, The Allegory of Goddess Sophia, which I've been listening to. 
And one thing for me that really stuck out was all the synchronicities. You're like the queen of synchronicities. But it got me thinking about how many synchronicities we really come across in a day and are not even consciously aware of. And when we do become aware of them, we think, of, oh, these, this is so extraordinary. But the truth is they've always been there. We just really haven't been aware or receiving those synchronicities. So tell me a little bit about like your journey. What made you start researching that? What was that wow. like for you? <laughs> yeah, it's been such a long, it, it hasn't been that long. It's been long in, in my life only because I've been like saturated with all of the mm. wisdom and knowledge that I've been tackling. But it goes back to, and actually it's very interesting looking back. So I have four kids, like I mentioned, mm -hmm. youngest is 11 but you have an 11 year old too. Yes. <laughs> and they're super special. So she actually had come to me one day and told me that she had saw an angel and she described this angel as having long red hair, a green dress, burgundy trim or something. And I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. And it wasn't like, but a week later I ended up learning about the goddess Bridget who really truly looks a lot like she described. But then she did it again with another character named St. Germain, who is known as the kind of like icon of the age of Aquarius. He's, he found the fountain of youth and he's been around since the beginning of time. And he actually, in some synchronicity, was in a movie with Marie Laveau that I happened to come across. I don't even know why I found that movie or how, but it was called The Dinner with the Alchemist. It was not even that good of a movie. <laughs> suggest it. But, and I didn't watch it because of him. I watched it because of Marie Laveau. And actually he was portrayed as like the vampire of New Orleans and was a shady character. I didn't even end up watching the end of it. But my podcast which I'm sure you are going to experience because like energy attracts like energy. And I'm interviewing three times a week and bringing in this energy. And it seems to always be themed all together at the same thing. So all mm -hmm. of a sudden, everything's about Bridget. Everything's about St. Germain. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> but when you <laughs> kind of go to, so St. Germain's also known because of the age of Aquarius, also known as like the rising of the divine feminine energy as well. Of course, Bridget is known as a goddess. And also they're both coincidentally, they were both sainted by the Catholic mm. Church, which is funny. Bridget of Kildare and Saint Germain, neither one can be verified that they actually were people. But do you really think that there was a Saint Gabriel, Saint Raphael, Saint Michael, they were mm -hmm. all archangels. So what I've discovered as well is that when the Catholics figured out that everyone was worshiping or really holding high a figure, they said, <laughs> make him a saint. Make saint. <laughs> so I happened to come into, eventually from there, it was like it rolled. I was like, goddesses, growing up Catholic, come on, goddesses, what? Goddesses, yeah. like you really think there's a goddess? That's ridiculous. That's like princess and fairy tales. and But... Actually, now I think it's funny that I thought that way, but yet this is the way this has been in my DNA for generations. Mm -hmm. Never thinking of a goddess or even actually the feminine power, really, truly. The essence of the divine feminine is wisdom. And oftentimes I think growing up, 
I looked for the men to give me wisdom. Yeah. Which, which is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, they're good bullshitters, that's for sure. But I <laughs> should have went to my grandmother for the mm -hmm. wisdom, which I did, which I did. And I did have a knowing that she had wisdom. I think I mm -hmm. did know that. But I opened up, I think the first Gnostic gospel that I read was Thomas. And it's the gospel of Thomas. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four that actually made the cut in the Bible, but mm -hmm. he had many other apostles, some that we know name of, and some that we didn't, who were women, and they all wrote books too, but yet they didn't make the cut, and they were buried in the Nagamari in Egypt, and they were found like in the like late 1940s and the 50s, and even Carl Jung actually had a Gnostic gospel in his possession for some time, and actually after he passed away, the museum had fought his family to have it returned to the other Gospels. But it's a different, it, they're different stories. They're different story creation. That Jesus is much like a Buddha, and there's mm -hmm. a, a lot of feminine energy in there. Why do you think, you know, it's probably all speculative, why would you think that they would write these women out of these scriptures? I just wonder who made the choice, what stories and scriptures made the cut for the Bible <laughs> and to bury the others. Who was at the foundation of those decisions? Was it the church or? Yeah, actually it was Constantine yeah. who actually was pagan originally, He, but he was ruling over, actually, and this is in Turkey, by the way, people don't realize that oh. Christianity actually originated in Turkey. <laughs> I did not know that. I really yeah. didn't know that. I know it's I know it's so crazy all the things that we didn't know so he called on his council from Nicaea actually in the which is also in Turkey and he called them to get some order because this is a time where they had you had some Jews who were starting to become Christians you had some that were just Jewish you had some Muslims they were okay with the um, as long as it was like rooted in Abraham, right? However, there was just a lot of diversity, right? And so he said, that we're going to make a book. And he ordered like the first 200 books to be made. The Council of Nicaea got together, they made canon law, and this cut, this made the cut and this didn't. Women were really not, not even, you can even read in the Gnostic Gospels how very much, because these are raw these are raw texts. Now the hierarchy hasn't touched the Gnostic Gospels. So when you're reading them, you can actually even see and take get a really good taste on how women were oppressed. There's this one verse, and I think it's Peter. I got a lot of beef with Peter, but he's talking about why is Mary even in here? Like, why is she amongst us? And it's very evident that Mary Magdalene was a huge part of all of Jesus' story, and she was not the whore that she was made out to be, but she is the one that supposedly at the end, Jesus goes to her. He doesn't go to Peter. Peter, he didn't trust Peter. Peter denied him three times. Yeah, He went to Mary, and Mary was such a teacher. And in the Gnostic Gospels, this is like all over, all of them. However, Peter says, why is she here? You know, what? and Jesus says that he made her a man. He made her. Man. That's interesting. And no, he didn't. Yeah, give her a transgender right. surgery or anything. But that's what they considered like wisdom or 
he, he enlightened her, a man. Because that's how the oppression of a woman was. Constantine, I think, even killed his own mother. I don't know when or how that shifted back then. Because at one point, Isis, you have Cleopatra, you have some of the most unbelievable rulers were women and worshipped. And, so, and then there was like this shift. And I think it truly happened with a lot of the scripture that was passed down in, from the Torah in the Bible and in the Old Testament, especially. Some of the stories are so ridiculous when it comes to women. They have from the very beginning, Eve screwing up to the very end, Mary Magdalene <laughs> is a, a whore. And everything else in between, whether they're virgins or they're sleeping with their father or whatever, it's just insane. And so with the Gnostic texts, they were written around third and fourth century AD, but they weren't discovered until right. seven, 17 something, correct? They were heresy. It was burn anything that does mm -hmm. not, that's not in this Bible that we're saying this is like the law, the canon law. And all of those books were written around the same time or after as well. And I'd like to go back to touch a little bit on synchronicities because I have one of my own. I was listening to your mini series and it just finished actually like the first chapter, which was on the age of Aquarius and St. Germain. And that same day, like an hour later, after I was listening to it, I had a, a psychic reading. And the first angel or saint that came through was St. Germain. And I was of course. wait wow. a minute, what? <laughs> and I told her, I was like, I just finished the first chapter of this mini series. It's all about St. Germain. And he was mm -hmm. the first one that came through. So, yes, <laughs> I've heard that so many times about St. Germain specifically. Yeah. The age of Aquarius is supposedly now you had the age of Pisces prior, which would have been like the age of religion, really, and of all of the text and the word. Jesus was known as the word. And in the Gnostic Gospels, Sophia was like his consort. So there's a mother god. Also in the Gnostic Gospels, she's known as Barbalo or the higher Sophia. Sophia just means wisdom. It's just mm -hmm. wisdom. It's an energy, a feminine energy of God source. Now, what's interesting is that Sophia was known also as the first thought. So if Jesus was the word and she was the first thought, heresy actually means choice. So when they took out everything and said, this is the law, the word, and they took out thought, they took out your choice, they took out our own intellect to judge things for ourselves, to choose, to our freedom, really, truly, mm -hmm. the sovereignty of each individual's journey was thrown out. And I always sometimes get mad. I'm like, for 2,000 years, for over 2,000 years. So it's interesting because you can tell just with me and you, Jennifer, right? There's a lot of thinking going on with me and you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so the divine feminine known as the first thought definitely is rising. And that's so interesting because it goes all the way back full circle to how we opened up this discussion saying everything that we know is what we were told. And so we, a thought has really been removed. Like our own individual thought has really been removed for so long out of society and religion and just history. It's like we were told. Oh, oh my God. And they tried to keep it from us. It wasn't that long ago that I had found in my tree. It was illegal for women to read. I just can't even imagine that. And wow. Wow. So and really kept 
small. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like a lion, lioness coming out <laughs> and wanting to roar. And oh my goddess, now we have the age of technology, the age of Aquarius, where anyone mm-hmm. can get online, read those Gnostic Gospels, where you will find a Zen master, Jesus, where he will tell you, you know, the kingdom is inside of you and also outside of you. It's not just at the church with the Pope. It is inside of you. And when you come to know yourself, and you will come, you will be known. And that is in the book of Thomas. I love that one. And it also says that it is so important to share what you learn, that if you don't, it actually would destroy you. Wow. Mm-hmm. Some mind candy right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good stuff. There's some yes. good stuff in there. <laughs> keep me thinking for days. I keep stumbling across these interesting concepts that just really get my mind going. But you know, I never thought, so if you're going down the road of Sophia, this mm-hmm. is one thing I was shocked about. You're going down the same road as like Da Vinci Code. Because you're because in the Gnostic Gospels is Mary Magdalene, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're that's, I mean, there's even a book of Mary, which is full of wisdom. She absolutely was an embodiment of wisdom of Sophia. So I was very surprised where I, when I ended up in the midst of secret societies and some very dark places. Yeah, that that's very interesting. It um, was. Yeah. <laughs> and some of the synchronicity around that, some of it was really super scary. Like my story about the dove when I, yeah, there was all this synchronicity about this dove. And, and then also there was this other aspect that recently came full circle. And I think I told you about it. You and I talked about it just recently. So during the time, like the middle of this journey, I was also tapping into and coming into scalar energy and I was studying because you know sound healing is so powerful that's why people do it I even do sound bowls over my clients or times because I know that it's just very divine that kind of healing energy also is spoke about in the bible so Sophia is mentioned in the bible just not by name actually if you look I think it's Solomon 22 actually no it's Proverbs I think 22 actually written by Solomon but in the Gnostic Gospels he also has an entire book he wrote about her and actually I think it may have even made the cut in some other scriptures but it's called like the book of wisdom so I Mm -hmm. wanted to know why he was so into her and then I was looking at King David and King David had a lyre that he would play for King Saul and it would summon out the spirits and it would heal him and put like a protective bubble around him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this energy? It's yeah. this healing energy that was literally summing out the demons out of this king. So I was doing like some work on like trying to figure out if there was something with the scalar energy. I was doing the Rasha, which is Dr. Jerry Rivera DeGenio's invention and he's so lovely and so great i'm so grateful that he does this his generosity is huge every first and third of every month he does a free session of russia the russia and if you just put on your headphones and you listen to these now i did some tesla it was nikola tesla who actually he's like the father of scalar Mm -hmm. energy and he was trying to use it for free energy for us for all you know which he did he figured that out here in Colorado. He proved that he could do that. And of course, 
nobody wants anybody to have free energy because the entire economy collapsed. Yeah. There's no money so in that. Energy, <laughs> but this energy is also known as like CERN is actually right now studying scalar energy, but it's also known as dark matter. Dark matter. And it's called many things, radiant energy, quantum energy, I mean, call it whatever. It's, go, it's God's mm -hmm. source energy. Yeah. Some people call it life force energy. So I'm like, dark matter. And then every time I would see dark mother, I would think about dark matter. Matter comes from the word mother. Greek. And I'm like, that's really crazy. The story of Pista Sophia is that she is the mother of the Demiurge. She's the creatrix of the Demiurge, mm. which would be the, our physical world, the 3D world. And without the dark matter, we'd be invisible. That's exactly what dark matter is. It's what gives us physical life, this body. Wow. Talk about full circle. I just got chills when you're talking about that. Easy. <clears throat> And I also just want to say for any of our listeners out there who are interested, definitely check out the Rasha. Is it, I think, I believe it's not included in the show notes. I think it's the Rasha.com. Is that correct? Or is it just Rasha.com? Yeah, I think so. And it's free. Yeah, you can set up notifications into your inbox to remind mm -hmm. you it's bi-monthly. And holy heck, it is so powerful. Like we say, it's just pure God source energy and the symbols that come through with the vibration. Mm. It, I really feel a difference after, after I do it. And so it is incredible. So tuck it I out know. for sure. I love it. Me and Jennifer are going to be levitating. Yes. <laughs> no, levitating. You know what? I wanted to tell you a story though, Jennifer, because I think you would love the story and I rarely share it, but mm. there was a lot of synchronicity in I've done past life regressions before. And in my past life regression, I, it was like, I was on a plantation and I didn't even ha I hadn't even done my ancestry yet. It was all like the same oh. year. So I was on a plantation. I was a mixed race and I had a brother and he had a horrible wife and all the things. Yeah. But later on, I ended up discovering that my brother in that regression actually we're 10th cousins, which is not close at all, but we are cousins under a plantation owner. So there was like this connection between the past life and then a connection here in my life. Currently, he's not my brother, but mm -hmm. also our parents died on the same day. My dad, his mother. That's, oh my goodness. It's really <laughs> weird, right? Yes, and that is so, <laughs> trip, that's so trippy. But also I have found connections that sometimes your spirit guide to my spirit. I have a spirit guide that would just show up in my meditations. I'm like, who is this dude? Like, he would never talk to me. Mm -hmm. And he was just this mute monk. But then I end up having a past life regression where I was a nun and I had this knowing that he was part of that. And when I did your session, you just helped me connect so many dots to so many things yeah. on earth, in dreams, in my past life regressions. It was, I mean, I cannot tell people or you enough how very just that was when you talk about pivotal moments in a journey, that was definitely one for me. Wow. I know a lot of things came full circle in, in your regression a lot of things were answered for oh. you. And I'm, I'm just so thankful I was able to be your practitioner and have that come to light for you. 
Except for the life that I didn't have feet. <laughs> I have to tell you, Shanna, I've been meaning to tell you that since that session, I've had a lot of that coming through. What? Of, yes, I've had at least, I think, four or five more regress to <laughs> regress to a very similar being. <laughs> Wow, that's so divine. That's so yes. amazing. But if I so there you go. If I had a choice to come back as something, it would be a mermaid, Sophia, divine feminine type, not some scaly, webbed hand reptilian. <laughs> I had one the other day where I regressed a client and she was in this ship looking down on a planet. And I something just told me have her put her, she was looking out this window in the ship and I said, put your hand up on the window for me. And she was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> my hand is webbed. And I knew she was going to say that. And then- oh, So you've been so tapping so, in yes. just like I do, seeing it as mm -hmm. they, wow. Yeah, and she was, same thing, she was very taken aback. My skin is scaly. And that was a couple of weeks ago. And then I had one earlier this week as well. And I said, look down at your feet and the feet were webbed. And so I've been having a lot of these synchronicities. It's very interesting as a practitioner, the things that come through are in patterns, similar to how we were talking earlier. You say with your podcast, everything will like trend. <laughs> so that's been trending lately in my sessions. I've been having, yeah, a lot of reptilian recollections come through from my clients. Oh my gosh. I was just talking about this with another spiritual sleuth, I will say. Mm. <laughs> we call ourselves. Yeah. It's I think that trend, it's like this energy comes into our consciousness mm. and it's all over. And so it's just if you are matching that vibration, you can just grab it and take it. Yeah. You can just you can seriously, if you're open to it and your vibe is actually matching it, you'll be able to see it, dream about it experience it it's very interesting and it is true it does come like together with other people i think we're all placed here to maybe figure it out together yeah and that actually ties in before we wrap up i would like to say that kind of ties in to something that i've been researching lately is you know about consciousness being like this stream of energy that we all can tap into and so the theory is that consciousness lives outside of the body and our brain can access the stream of consciousness. And we all have access to the same stream of consciousness, which is why like energy attracts like energy, because we are tapping into the same pool, the same stream. So very right. interesting. And if you can get your brain to be still, mm -hmm. and kick out the drunk best friend, and you let the ninja come forward, <laughs> then you're able to connect with that. Because just think also, all the little things that are happening in your brain are all energy, shooting off, firing up different energy in your pathways. And yep. if they're all there fighting fear, which is usually what your brain is doing constantly mm -hmm. yeah. in fight or flight, then it doesn't have the space to let in that energy. It's so true. We could, I could just chat with you forever. <laughs> we could go on for days. For our listeners, Shanna, I'd like to know what are you working on next? What's your next big project that we can expect from you? Or are you working yeah. on something right now? Oh, yeah, girl, I am always working on something. <laughs> I know you I just, are. I, it's so funny because I'm like, I wonder what's going to be next. Actually, someone <laughs> just asked me yesterday, what are you going to do when Sophia's over? So I do have 
a Patreon, so Sense of Soul Patreon, you can literally get on and do a $5 mm -hmm. and you can listen to my mini series. I've done a mini, mini series on my ancestry and on Sophia. And also you'll get ad free episodes. I put out two episodes a week and I have, I don't know, there's like almost like 400 or something insane. And I'm about to hit 1 million downloads. I'm super excited about that. Congratulations. Yes, That's a huge accomplishment. I'm so happy for you. That's yes, awesome. It is because you know I put my heart and soul in this, mm -hmm. and really it's only to share my crazy experiences because I know that I'm not alone in this, and in mm -hmm. either of my listeners, I love getting to show my listeners as well as my guest. But I also am writing a book on Sophia. So right now I've been trying to really get this done. I've been putting a lot of time into it. It's going to be called Desperately Seeking Sophia: Allegories of the Divine Feminine. It's going to be a lot about everything that we've talked about today and much, much more. But so I've been working on that and I still do sessions online. I do those soul immersion mm -hmm. sessions where I do go into your sacred space and I still also help people like I helped you with your ancestry. That's a clear workshop. And I will give, don't, I will definitely offer your listeners if they want to work with me a discount and they can mm -hmm. use a sense of soul in the checkout and get 50% off. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Wow. Yes. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> and they can go to mysenseofsoul.com actually mm -hmm. to find all of that good stuff. Thank you, Shanna. And I'll include all of your information in the show notes for okay. everybody so that they can find you. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so yeah. proud of you too. Well, thank this you. So awesome. Yes. I'd love to come back on your show again sometime in the near future. And same, we'll have you back on as a guest so again as well. Keep in touch. Yeah. My listeners still talk about you. They loved you. <laughs> I loved doing your show. I think we put out the, one of the best episodes I've done. So, yeah. yeah. Agree. Definitely. You're one of my favorites. Thanks. We will stay in touch and chat again soon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by The Soul Experience, quantum healing hypnosis. Are you ready to embark on an inward journey of quantum healing? Quantum healing hypnosis is the most profound method of inner work and self-healing someone can do while on a spiritual path. In a single session, you experience past life regression, exploration between lifetimes, self-healing performed by your subconscious, release of trapped trauma, and answers to your most important life questions. Your higher self has a message for you and is here to help you and guide you on this life journey. Book a session today with Jennifer Mitchell at thesoulexperiences.com.